0: Minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos and a very special Erev Shabbos because Shabbos is Erev Hanukkah. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. (laughs)
1: באחדו בנובח של מלך, כח היה, וכאח זה Every Jew's a proud Jew Not just me My sisters and my brothers Never be ashamed to be a proud Jew It's not what you've done It's how he made you. to sing this song and spread the pride around
2: you Yehudiani Eternally
0: morning on this Arab Shabbos. Tomorrow, Shabbos is Arab Chanukah. Thanks for joining us here, everybody. It's NachumSiegel.com. It's the NSN app. It's your web radio. It's your archive section. It's the phone line at 605-562-4400. You name it, you've got a million different ways to tune in and uh, be part of this great radio broadcast, and we're glad you are. Welcome to this Friday. Happy Hanukkah, of course, as we get set for the uh, the big day. Want to thank those who are coming, or the big eight days, right? <laughs> Want to thank those commenting on our app. Matis is out there, says loves the bonus time. We love presenting bonus JM. And Matis has JM Sunday. It's not a bonus, it's part of our regular schedule. Matis has JM Sunday It is coming Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Imagine what he'll be doing on the very first day of Hanukkah musically. My gosh. I bet he'll be, uh, Presenting a whole bunch of great Hanukkah selections. Uh, from Israel, sorry for the lack of punctuation in my last post. was literally frying donuts. My son loves this song and is so excited because he learned it in music class. I think that was a reference to the Miami uh, uh, Hanukkah selection. And uh, Aryeh wants to hear the Y Studs brand new Hanukkah song. We'll do that in our next set here at JM in the AM. It's Friday on this December 23rd, the 23rd of Kislev. Erev Shabbos Parshas by Yeshev, candlelighting at 413 here in the New York area, four your candle lighting on an era of Shabbos. Friday next week is Rosh Chodesh Teves. A week from today is Rosh Chodesh, so we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. A one day Rosh Chodesh Teves on Friday, and of course Hanukkah begins tomorrow night on Saturday night. We are all getting ready. Uh you heard Schar Mitzvah. That was Mordechai Shapiro. Ari Goldwag had uh, Rock Rock Who. Uh you heard um, Avremel Avram Fried with Itchaani. Good song. Benny Freeman's uh, Ivri Anochi. You heard Miami with Va'achar Kane. Words from Alanisim. And of course, Regesh Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. So it's a JM in the AM Friday. I am glad you are with us. I am glad you're all here. I'm glad you're ready for an amazing week ahead. Uh, this is the place. This is the address for great programming, wonderful music, incredible Hanukkah spirit. This is the place. It begins tomorrow night. Uh, Saturday Night Siegel, Avrami's preparing a great show for 9 p.m. Eastern Time this for Sunday morning I know that I am thinking very, very much about Monday's show A legal holiday in the United States A lot of people off, a lot of people with the different schedules on Monday We will be here both before and during JM and the AM With great music on Monday And of course throughout the entire day as you would imagine Sunday as well If you're getting together for Hanukkah parties this coming Sunday uh, You know you could turn on our stream and hear amazing music um, perfectly fit for Hanukkah. So just uh, tune in and enjoy. That's it. That's all you got to do is tune in and enjoy. Those are the only two requirements, <laughs> is to listen and just uh, enjoy all of our amazing programming. Uh, I want to thank everybody listening in from around the world, all the different places and through all the different avenues. Rabbi Yudin will join us about 8.15 Eastern Time. Malcolm Honline, weekly update. And as I posted on Facebook... Today's weekly update, I will not be on a plane. I'll be in a studio. Yeah, I'll be in our New York City studios conducting the weekly update with a lot of questions and no doubt a lot of answers as we get set to uh, discuss all of this with uh, uh, Malcolm Homeline about the uh, events of the week and all the different things that have been going on and uh, are continuing to uh, happen out there. So all of that is part of our Friday morning broadcast. I thank you all for tuning in. (laughs) Words that we're going to get very used to starting tomorrow night. Al-Hanisim, Friday morning, J.M. and the A.M. Great selection from Yaakov Shweki. Chaim shel Shalom. Friday morning on this Arab Shabbos with candle lighting at 413. Guess what? Tomorrow night is Chanukah. How do you like that? Uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Tavis Tevis will be Friday. 39 degrees, mostly sunny, a high 47. Showers late tonight, a low 39. Could be a wet overnight, a wet Shabbat overnight. Uh, tomorrow morning rain with a high temperature of 48. Yerushalayim at 55. We're at 39 here in New York. Thanks for listening in to JM and the AM. Uh, someone requested on the app a uh, a Paul McCartney selection, so we went to a Shabbat in Liverpool. Of course, <laughs> I don't know if McCartney wrote that specific song, but Lenny Solomon certainly uh, presented a um, a Shalom Aleichem in uh, Liverpool fashion, right? In Beatles fashion, from his A Shabbat in Liverpool. Uh, that was before Jakob Schweiki. My Menorah. That was Schlockrock also, and of course, Lenny Solomon is going to be here next week. Cannot wait. Till he gets here, he'll be Monday in Silver Spring, Tuesday at YCQ, Wednesday at the Manhattan Jewish Experience, Thursday at OFMS down in Highland Park. he's got a, and then January first at Lincoln Square Synagogue. He's got quite a tour left, and he'll be visiting us here at JM and AM during the week. And we are very much looking forward to it. You heard Amuday Shesh before that with there Al Hanisim getting ready for Hanukkah with us here. At JM in the AM, someone requested the Y-Stud's new Hanukkah song. Here it is for you at the Nachum Siegel Network.
3: Crashing, hit a wall. Right now I need a miracle. Hurry up now, I need a
2: miracle.
0: see why they're all talking about Garrison Veroba's brand new album, Ani L, that's the title track, it is pretty amazing to say the least, the Y studs before that by request, will close out the hour with Itzik Dadya off the brand new Shear volume number 2 before we get to our news from Israel, you're listening to JAM in the AM, Friday morning on this Arab Shabbos
2: The God me by the name, Yahshu Shisa
0: Dadia with Bowie off of sheer volume number two. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio exclusively around the world at com, the NachumSigal Network, and of course, the NSN app. And I welcome all of you, no matter how you're listening. Thank you, thank you for tuning in. It's much appreciated. Yes. Chag Sameach, Kulam is <laughs> right. Chag Urim Sameach. Chanukah begins tomorrow night, everybody. Getting ready for an amazing Hanukkah week here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Make sure you are tuned in all through the week on your Hanukkah parties. Regarding your Hanukkah parties tomorrow night and Sunday night, make sure you have our stream on for great Hanukkah music and wonderful programming. Tomorrow night you've got Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami. Sunday, J.M. Sunday on Sunday morning with Matis. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos follows next. We say Boca Raton from Jam the Amp.
4: Galit Zahal Hasha'ashtim kan n'avrei uveni im ma shikorei hashav. Metos <laughs> nosim shel chevratat teufa shel lov va'alav me'ahush mona asar bene adam nechtaf vehunchat be'Malta. katavtenu Kerem Ben Mordechai.
0: A city will now
4: run a vehicle to see the TRIPOI' which was will move to the
0: ​​dov начals. This soldier is and
4: במילאנו חוסל אנס אמרי המחבל מפיגוע הדריסה בברלין כתבתנו שני בירנבוין אמרי נהרג בתום קרב יריות לפנות בוקר בפרוור של מילאנו וזוהה מאוחר יותר באמצעות ביית האצבע שלו שר הפנים של איטליה אמר לפני זמן קצר כי הערוג הוא ללא כל ספק החשוד תחילה אמרי התבקש על ידי שוטר מקומי להציג תעודת זהות כחלק מהליך שגרתי ואז שלף נשק ואי ים על קרב היריות פצע אמרי אחד מאנשי בבית אלמין חדש בהרצליה ובעל עם דליה אלייקין, הישראלית שנרצחה בפיגוע בברלין. בעלה של דליה, רמי אלייקין, מוסיף להיות מאושפז במצב קשה בבית חולים בגרמניה. תגובות במערכת הפוליטית להערכת מעצרו של חבר הכנסת בסל רטס מבלד החשוט בהברכת טלפונים סלולריים לעשירים ביטחוניים. עסר להגנת הסביבה ולענייני ירושלים, זאב אלקין, אומר כי מקומו של רטס אינו בכנסת.
1: אני מברך על החלטת בית המשפט, מקומו של תומך טרור בכלא ולא בכנסת ישראל. אחריות על זה שרטס עדיין, חבר הכנסת, רובצת על מנהיגי מפלגות השמאל שעדיין ממשיכים לגונן עליו.
4: הגיע הזמן להפסיק את הבושה. גם יושב ראש יש עתיד, חבר הכנסת יאיר לפיד, קרא להפסקת כהונתו של רטס. צריך לאופ מן הכנסת, אין מקום לאדם כזה בכנסת ישראל, אנחנו ננקוט בכל האמצעים כדי שהוא בכנסת. יושב ראש הכנסת, יולי אדלשטיין, הודיע כי לשקתו של רטס תישאר נעולה, מחשש לשיבוש חקירה. כתבנו נתנל דרשן מוסר כי מעצרו של חבר הכנסת מבלד הוא עד ליום שני. ישראל תעביר היום להרשות הפלסטינית את גופותיהם של תשעה מחבלים שנהרגו במהלך ביצוע אירועי טרור, כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. מבין תשע,
1: חמש יוחזרו לבני משפחותיהם באזור חברון והשאר באזורים אחרים. קלקיליה, תולקרם, כפר קבתיה ואחד באזור שכם. בישראל מתנהל ויכוח פנימי בין פוליטי לביטחוני האם לאשיב בכלל את הגופות האלה. בינתיים, הפלסטינים הם אלה שגילו את היום.
4: שני פצועים במחיטת חירום של מטוס קל בהרצליה, נטיין אבי. מטוס
2: קל שימרים מהרצליה התרסק בשטח פתוח מצפון לשדה אחרי שקבע מנועו. צוות של מגן דוד אדום פינה את שני אנשי הצוות, בני שישים, במצב קשה ובינוני
4: עד קשה, לבתי החולים ביילינסון ואיחילוב כשהם סובלים מחבלות ראש וגפיים. המשך הקירת התאונה תעבור לידי החוקר הראשי במשרד התחבורה tennis <טניס> דניז חזניוק, היא אלופת ישראל לשנת 2016. חזניוק גברה על מי התחן בשתי מערכות וזכתה לראשונה בתואר. והתחזית, מחר התקררות,
2: The choice, the I the We said the choice, I the
0: Uh, They are great. It's eighth day, of course, with the um, uh, It's Shabbos Now selection here on a J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning of Shabbos. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. By the way, a shout out to Moshe Gersley. A shout out to Moshe Gersley. We actually played the interview. He's a a fifth grader at Hafter. We actually played the interview um, that I did with him on Monday. Uh yesterday during our live lunch. If you want to check it out, it's during the Thursday live lunch from yesterday, at about eleven thirty, about a half hour into the live lunch. And he's a fifth grader at Hafter who knows more about politics than most of us. <laughs> Simple as that. And if you if you like that kind of thing, uh where uh, where kids really shine in an area where they're not expected to, uh you'll check that out and uh I guarantee you, you'll enjoy that conversation, that's for sure. Uh, so that's Moshe Gersley. A big shout-out to him from all of us here at the JM in the AM. Uh, by the way, for those of you following closely, as I mentioned, that Lenny's going to be in next week, and, of course, Gershon Veroba visits, visits us on Tuesday. Uh, we really have an amazing Jewish music week set up for JM in the AM during Hanukkah. Really amazing. Ding is going to join us because he has a bunch of amazing events coming up. He'll join us Monday. Gershon Veroba with the brand-new album Tuesday. Then, of course, Thursday night we're at the Teaneck Doghouse with him. For the big album release party for Hanukkah. So that's pretty cool. Then Wednesday, R.E.A. Kunstler in studio, which is going to be amazing. I'm going to have to beg him to bring his guitar along, but he might actually do some uh, some music for us here, which would be great. And the Thursday, the king of schlock himself, Lenny Solomon, is going to be joining us Thursday here at JM and the AM. So that'll be uh, in advance of his show in Highland Park. It'll be right before his visit to Virginia and right before his January 1st concert happening Sunday, January 1, at Lincoln Square Synagogue. So a big Jewish music week ahead. Make sure to pay very careful attention to us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Listener, Terry's out there on our app saying, while well, I always appreciate the great Jewish music played, even more so this time of year when all you hear on other stations is certainly not inspirational Jewish music. So thank you, Terry, for that. Uh, someone comments, our family's enjoying listening to the show as we get ready for Shabbos here in Yerushalayim. Thank you. <coughs> Baltimore, Maryland has checked in, asking us to continue to daven for Tamara, Adina, Uh, Baskane Shulamis, Tamara Adina Baskane Shulamis, and we will, of course, continue to do that. If you want to comment on our app, go to the Nahum Segal Network app for Android or iPhone. You'll see on the homepage you can comment easily and participate in the show. Don't forget, coming up, Naomi's uh, Chopped Competition live from Gourmet Glot. It happened Monday night. It'll be today's show, uh, Table for Two, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, both audio, of course, on all of our platforms, and video on the homepage at NahumSegal.com. You can see... The entire competition, I was one of the judges, it was pretty cool. Mazel tov going out to Mr. and Mrs. Mayor Kruder on the brand new baby boy, the Shlom Zakhar, takes place tonight. And we say Mazel Tov on that. And there are other events in our community which we'll get into a little later on that we have to alert you to, whether it's Hanukkah or even beyond that. We'll get to that list of events coming up right here at JM in the AM. 22 minutes after 7 o'clock, weekly update about 20 minutes away with Malcolm honline Rabbi Uden of course, will join us an amazing uh, Friday morning as we get ready for Hanukkah. Hanukkah begins tomorrow night, uh, which is pretty cool. this is, I don't know, based on the, uh, on the conversation we had during the live lunch yesterday, I guess you could, or in some ways, not necessarily consider this a Hanukkah song. But it is called Light, and it's brand new from Benny Friedman, and you're listening to JM in the AM.
2: blessings in my life. There's
1: a joy you just can't hide when family's by your side i to, I want to thank you I know it's all from you
2: blessings in my life. There's a joy you just can't
0: Brand new, it's Benny Friedman. It's really the title track to the brand new Fill the World with Light uh, on a uh, Erev Arab Hanukkah here at JM in the AM. Listener Sam says, Boker tov nahum. Please give a shout-out to my friend Mo Dembitzer in the studio. Okay, Mo, shout-out to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Well, Garrison Verova's out with the brand-new album. We've got another selection off of that album coming up next. I remind you, he'll be here Tuesday morning on what's going to be a massive Jewish Music Week for us, the Hanukkah week. It always is an exciting week. Keep it here, of course, all through Hanukkah at JM and the AM and the Nachum Segal Network. And uh, don't forget, Thursday night, Thursday night, go to the Teaneck Doghouse. That's this coming Thursday night, go to the Teaneck Doghouse um, on Palisade Avenue in Teaneck. Buy yourself a nice din-din and uh, witness the album release celebration with Gershon Veroba and the Nachum Segal Network. Uh, it'll be uh, 8 p.m., starting at 8 p.m. until 10 o'clock. It'll all be live, audio, video, at NahumSiegel.com. And we'll have that whole celebration Thursday night. Stop by, get yourself some great dinner. It's an amazing restaurant. And uh, come meet Gersh and Verobin, participate and participate um, in the big celebration. should be really cool. Uh, the first night of Hanukkah, tomorrow night, there's a community-wide Hanukkah Chagiga uh, with uh, musical guest Mordecai Shapiro. With Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky, It's all happening at the White Shool beginning at 8 p.m. at Far Rockaway. There's no charge. It's a hot buffet. It's in NCSY Summer, community-wide, Hanukkah Chagiga. Uh, all in attendance are automatically entered into a raffle to receive 50% off an NCSY Summer 2017 program of their choice. Join Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetzky. uh Join musical guest Mordechai Shapiro tomorrow night, 8 p.m. at the White Shool on Empire Avenue in Far Rockaway. Again, no charge. It's a hot buffet brought to you by NCSY, and the OU should be pretty cool, that's for sure. All right, here it is, brand new, Gershon Veroba weekly update coming up, and plenty more on a Friday at JM in the AM.
2: tamamim shafshal takken asta amim shafshal takken ima tamamim shafshal takken asta amim shafshal takken ima tamamim shafshal takken asta amim shafshal takken ima tamamim shafshal i
0: In the a.m., it's the uh, Yeshiva Boys with their Chanukah medley here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Erev, Erev, Chanukah. Simcha Leiner before that with Neo safe done uh, by the, uh, or I should say, from the brand new CD, Sheer, volume number two. Shlomo and Michael Chaviv before that with a same mitzvah. You heard Gershon Verova with Rabbi Nachman. He'll be here in studio. A big, big, big Jewish music week next week on Chanukah week here at JMAM. A very big week. Ding is here from Sookie and Ding on Monday with a whole bunch of information about performances going on. Gershon Viroba Tuesday with a brand new album and a preview of the big album celebration that will be part of Thursday night at the Teaneck Doghouse. Wednesday, it's Aryeh Kunstler who will be live in studio and I am hoping he brings his guitar with him. And Thursday, the king of schlock himself, Lenny Solomon, is scheduled to come by. So a very nice Hanukkah with a lot of wonderful greetings uh, live and in person here in studio at J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this Arab of Shabbos Parshas by Yeshev with candle lighting at 4.13. Friday of next week is Rosh Chodesh Teves a one-day Rosh Chodesh. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Teves is Friday. And, of course, Hanukkah begins tomorrow night. Big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who we'll continue to um feature the Nachum Siegel Network on their site for their amazing viewers, or I should say their readers. Head to JewishWorldReview.com for a whole bunch of articles that you'll probably want to read and print out before Shabbos. And a big thank you to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com has a, an amazing news feed with a lot of great content, and a lot of that content comes from us on a regular basis. And we thank OnlySimchas.com, and uh, we suggest everybody check them out on a regular basis. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning, Erev Erev Chanukah. Mr. Honeline, welcome back to JM and the AM. <laughs>
5: Good to be with you, especially as we look forward to the Hanukkah week.
0: Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And not from a plane this week, from an actual chair in a studio. How do you like that? That's very
5: impressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they let you out eventually.
0: <laughs> we upgraded. <laughs> Off the air, I'll tell you some of the good stories that happened both during <laughs> and after. All right. Um, first of all, the uh, when you see, and, and remember, people in this audience are very curious about The answer to this question from your vantage point, because if you have this unique uh, task of really dealing with the Jewish world politically, right to left, you know, the entire spectrum, when you see Jewish groups trying to block the nomination of an ambassador to Israel, what do you think?
5: Well, I think that, uh, you know, we have a policy, a longstanding policy, of not endorsing or opposing candidates for any position. I think it's a good rule for all of those, especially organizations that are tax-exempt. People can express views about or or concerns, but I think, number one, to give them a chance to um, have the hearing and there, all of these issues can be raised or any issue can be raised. Uh, the fact that he's close to the president should be seen as an asset because he will have easier access. Uh, he's certainly somebody who's been involved, and knowledgeable, and, and clearly cares about uh, about Israel. The um, you know I think he would acknowledge that some of the things he said uh, in the heat of the campaign and in the reaction uh, are not things that he would say as a as an ambassador, and uh, I think may even look for an opportunity to to clarify the record. So uh, I think, in general, it, it not just in regard to this nomination, but in uh, in reacting to the, uh, the new administration overall, I think people should be cautious and thoughtful, and perhaps hold back sometimes when they just want to react on a, on a gut level to to and, and give expressions. You can have concerns; it's legitimate. To be concerned about uh, what, whenever a new administration comes in, but frankly, this week we had real concerns about the old administration.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and, and not to overstate the obvious, but why not if I have the opportunity? Ninety-nine um, percent of these appointments and nominations, of course, end up going through. I, I would say a hundred. That's probably inaccurate, right? No,
5: it's not a hundred percent because uh, you can have. But remember that Republicans have. Uh, a majority in both houses, Uh, the Democrats would have to be mobilized um, in a very significant way in order to to block uh, a nomination, and certainly have an ambassador. I think when you talk about the um, uh, nomination to the Supreme Court, there you you would have much more likelihood of of, uh, people being roused and members... Uh, resisting perhaps a, a nomination or filibustering. I, I don't see that in regard to ambassador to Israel.
0: Right, and when it comes to the Supreme Court, those turn into, you know, r- really professional, well-oiled campaigns that, uh, you know, take, yeah. on a li- take on a life of their own, frankly, and dominate the news media nationally, so.
5: But you also have that, let's say, in regard on environmental issues or on other issues, uh, where a cabinet member, the guy who's named as secretary, uh, might Rouse an organized uh, opposition because the vested interests are very greater or, or policy issues involved uh, affect a broad base of people. Right. I, I don't think that's the case here and a lot of this is inside in baseball. Again, I think some of the terms that were used um, he wouldn't use again and he would probably have preferred that he didn't use them earlier, uh, but I think if you go back and check virtually anybody's records these days, you would find disturbing things, because with the Internet, with all of the means now, everything that anybody said is is uh, fair game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also know that there's a lot of distortion and misrepresentation in, in charges that are made, as we saw uh, ourselves
0: last week. Yeah, no question about it. All right, we'll, we'll get to the U.N. in a second. Let me just... Uh, or I say more accurately in a minute or two, let me, let me just do a couple of items from Israel, especially on the heels of what we discussed last week. Uh, so first of all, it does look like there will be some type of extension when it comes to the Amona situation. Um, the, the people there are are hinting, if not being more direct uh, with their words about their desire to cooperate with Israeli authorities. Uh, the Supreme Court is ready to give forty five days and may have already officially given forty five days in terms of an extension which takes us into February. Uh, I don't know, and I, and I always ask you this, and I don't know if you really have uh, a good feel yet or not. I am, I am just concerned that this is heading to a really tough situation, and e- even if it keeps continues to get get postponed, we're not going to be able to avoid the inevitable, which is going to be a really bad looking confrontation.
5: I certainly hope that won't be the case. I hope the cooler minds uh, will prevail, and uh, uh, I know it's very emotional, and there are deep concerns, and there, again. Times when this is uh, handled right, and others who exploit issues like this for political gain against the prime minister or for themselves—that should not be allowed to come into play here. They, they have an understanding; they should try to uphold that understanding and see to it that they uh, are, are able, for everybody's sake, you know, calling attention to these issues and, and uh, highlighting uh, what they what one side calls stolen t- uh, proper. Uh, Property and um, uh, then becomes universalized, and it becomes a whole anti-settlement or anti-stachim uh, issue. It doesn't serve anybody's benefit. The best thing is to find a resolution. They have one. Uh, I think the rule of law is, does have to be upheld in, in Israel, uh, and concern for for the well-being of the people at the same time. So the resolution was accepted, and I hope it can be implemented.
0: All right, and one other thing before we get to the U.N. the uh, I, I've been reading, a, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but certainly a couple of articles, that the PA reaction, if in fact there would be a real embassy move to Jerusalem, I'm referring, of course, to the U.S. Embassy, uh, to Jerusalem, that essentially they wouldn't care as much as we think they would. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? They that, they, would that, that they really wouldn't care if the embassy moved as much as we think they would?
5: I think a lot of it has to be about how it's done and, uh, uh, what is done. If you, it can be done with sensitivity and understanding that it, it isn't the governments themselves that, uh, may care, uh, uh, so much as, uh, their concern about the street reaction, which can be easily roused. The Palestinians have already threatened and, and said every, uh, Embassy of the United States will be closed in an Arab capital, and you, will, can, you can see the situation where there will be massive demonstrations. That's not a reason not to do it. It's a reason to be concerned about how you do it. And there are some very creative options that have been put forward. Uh, for instance, taking the you know, existing consulate, the one in no and putting a shingle up there that, it's, uh, that says the embassy, you, you know, ambassador of the United States has an office right. and uh, can function there. I think there are interim steps like not waiving the legislation when it comes up again in a few months so that uh, the, the passport issue, for instance, is resolved or the recognition is there. Uh, again, I think we have to do it in a way that achieves the end we want and doesn't become a, a focal point for, for violence and for um, political exploitation. There is no reason why the embassy should not be in West Jerusalem. It should not be controversial. Everybody agrees that that is Israel. And uh, the, the fact that this has become enshrined in some way over the years and that the uh, idea of the, uh, an embassy in, in uh, West Jerusalem would be uh, offensive is really not acceptable. And the 1995 law passed by the United States Congress overwhelmingly uh, and which I hope will be renewed again in the near future, says clearly that United Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. This is where our, our embassy belongs, and you're not prejudging it if you do some of the things that that uh, some of the options that were uh, put forward.
0: See, I think it's important that we continue to bring it up in this segment, uh, just to shore up the, the, the you know, that everyone should understand that that as you just said that this is where it belongs. There's no reason why it shouldn't belong there. Because I know we're heading toward if it does become if it does accelerate, you know, and it looks like it's a, the effort's going to happen, I'm sure we're heading toward this major debate in the media, and people might get confused as to whether Israel really should do it or not, whether it's a provocation or not. And I think it's important to remember these points that we bring up. Well,
5: the conclusion things. is there that it's a provocation. Right. <laughs> I, I again believe that that less headlines, more action is is appropriate, and then the people domestically take it on, as they do in Israel with almost every issue, becomes a a domestic political issue. Even though they don't think about the ramifications sometimes outside of Israel or for Israel's uh, position, you also have to look at what are your priorities. If all the energy goes into this and to, you know, uh, fighting this at the time, it should be... On Iran, should all of our energy be focused on mobilizing the other Arab countries and having them all support efforts of, of a new administration to uh, additional sanctions to imposing the sanctions that do exist to, to really fighting the aggressive behavior. Look what they said now, you know, that now we got Aleppo, right. uh, Iraq is is next with Bahrain and Yemen. I mean, they're not stopping. They, they feel that they have, are riding a tiger now right, and, but, and in cohort with others. I'm just saying that the right, that people understand. can't look at an issue in a narrow context I in understand. the real
0: world. I understand, but nonetheless, you still would say they're all important and that everyone everyone who finds the time should choose. Of course. To, to, no, not, I, I know.
5: I, I, I don't Think anybody has fought this issue, and we devoted a long time working with Senator Moynihan to get personally right. to get the, the Jerusalem uh, law passed. And and in fact, people will remember when at the time uh, I, I told Prime Minister Rabin that we were going to do this, and he said, If you get it passed, I'm going to come. Right. I said, Are you promising? And he said, Yes. And I called him the day the bill passed, he got on a plane, and he came for the signing ceremony in the rotunda, I'm, the last time it was ever done. So I certainly believe, as you know, and from all the shows we do, all I'm saying is that, that you have to look at things in a broader context. It's not always being right, it's doing it the right way and, and the intelligent way uh, to achieve the end that we all want.
0: Understood. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listen sponsored digital radio exclusively around the world, NahumSiegel.com, the Siegel Network, and of course, On the NSN app, reminder coming up at 9 o'clock after JM&AM, it's a table for two with Naomi Nachman. It is her Monday night Chopped competition, which will be on audio and, of course, video at NachumSiegel.com, plus a full day of our Arab Shabbos music mix. And the rumor is that Mark Zomik will actually conduct a real Friday live lunch in the middle of the day, so pay careful attention to our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix. Uh, You'll most likely be uh, joined by Mark At some point, all right, Malcolm. The uh, and and be as accurate as and not to suggest you're ever inaccurate, but I think it's important for people to understand exactly what went on here. What was it that Egypt sponsored the resolution for the United Nations? What did that resolution say?
5: So the resolution itself is a reiteration of past resolutions, ones that were vetoed by the administrations uh, in 2011. It declares the settlement activity as not as illegal. It, um it, and then includes, by the way, East Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Settlement activity is, they specifically cite East Jerusalem as well. And, and then the usual rhetoric attacking Israel for everything the violations and the property, uh, uh taking property, doing anything you can imagine, it's in there. And they, uh, and, and more importantly, it's the process that is is seen as a violation that uh, com- uh, countries and, and parties that were committed to direct negotiations can't all of a sudden now support uh, a, a, a resolution which really is in the sole intent is to bypass direct negotiations for the Palestinians to achieve what they want by fiat and by resolution, and not by the responsibility of having to negotiate where you have to make concessions, where you have to engage directly, and and which is the only way that everybody agrees you can achieve a meaningful uh, peace or or progress towards peace. So Egypt, in this case, was really put in a bad position because it is the representative of the Arab League on the Security Council. The Arab League gets one seat, and it rotates, and right now it's Egypt that represents the Arab League, Uh, they decided in a vote last week to support this resolution. And uh, in an unusual move, it was dropped very late at night on Wednesday uh, after the close of business for most people. And and then a vote scheduled for Thursday at 3 o'clock, meaning that there was no time for debate. It's called blue lining in in U.N. parlance, which means you bum rush it through and, and the text then gets voted up or down. Uh, there might have been some minor adjustments, but it was not time for a, a real discussion on it. The um, it's a very complicated uh, story about all the things that happened. But in the bottom line, is that President Sisi, who may not have been involved in the process and and and, and may not have known about what was taking place at the UN, uh, immediately ordered that the resolution be withdrawn which it was. Secretary Kerry had scheduled a press conference for 11.30 yesterday, and then at 11 o'clock canceled it. I was in touch with his people, and he, frankly, at that point, and even today, does not know what the president's final decision was going to be. So people will say that, it and there are many, many reports coming from media people, some quoting people in the administration, uh, but I, I don't know that anybody knows for certain, except the president is in a circle about what the intent was, but the reports are that they were going to abstain on this resolution, which would have been a diversion from past practice when he, viol- when he uh, vetoed uh, a similar bill in 2011. So the, the Egyptians so first withdrew it, and then the Arab League met yesterday and did not call for uh, renewing it, resubmitting it. Right.
0: But, okay, so at least, so a couple. But wait,
5: there's more, because the problem is Sweden takes over as the chair of the Security Council in January and said they want to be in charge, and now four other countries, uh, Venezuela, Malaysia, or whatever, are saying, who are members of the Security Council, said that if you don't introduce us this resolution, we're going to introduce it. So it's not dead. It, it, the Egyptians took a strong stand. I think President-elect Trump interceded. Certainly Netanyahu did. We did. Everybody we met. With the Egyptians several times over this and with others. Most people didn't want this thing to come to a fore. The Palestinians really pushed it and and forced this issue because they know that uh, after January 20th, it's likely there will be no question about what the, right. the action would be in response to it.
0: All right, but a couple of questions then. Um, if in fact, and the way you described it, it certainly seems so, if in fact this would have had a major effect on future negotiations and it does sound like you're saying it would or it certainly could uh, how is it possible that the United States even considered abstaining from the vote
5: I, I, obviously I don't agree that the United States should have we have uh, worked hard that they shouldn't uh, I, I, I think that it would have been a message of their disapproval of the and, and which they make public all the time of the settlement enterprise in its to- totality uh, it might have been you know the message that we had all been waiting for or feared that the administration w- w- would take uh, either in the form of a speech or a resolution or failing to veto a resolution again we we don 't know for certain that that was the case, uh, but the very fact that they wouldn 't come out clearly and state their their opposition uh, leads i think many people to to the conclusion that that there might have been an abstention and and the fact is that people understand it 's not just another resolution like the 20 we have annual in your general assembly when you go to security council right. there's real consequences it's a legal uh, uh resolution that can have uh, both legal and practical implications with sanctions with the uh, um other uh, possible consequences
0: all right so uh from the cc angle if he's representing the arab league and made this move really to satisfy uh, uh people that probably don't agree with his political approach right now I mean you've described to us a really good relationship with Israel certainly intelligence wise and you know with the Prime Minister uh, he he's gone out of his way uh, to go ahead and uh, you know forge a good relationship with Donald Trump in the short time that you know Trump's been president-elect um, you know so if he went ahead and did this just to satisfy the Arab League how did he look to the Arab League when he went ahead and postponed it
5: well, I think, just look at the response. Number one, he postponed, he, he withdrew it from the security council, saying that Egypt would not he told his ambassador to pull it back. Number two, the Arab League at its meeting did not overrule him and did not uh, seek the reintroduction of it and Number three, for all of those who, who were afraid, reaction in the streets so far, we have not seen. Reaction in the street. There are a lot of threats. There's a lot of, you know, cajoling about about moving the embassy, or or, as well as this resolution. But we have not seen, you know, reaction against the because of it. So um, I I think that for many people, this is a a sideshow and of of little consequence and significance. For those who are ideologically or otherwise uh, motivated by extremist views and uh, political agendas. They're the ones that this plays out in a very tiny bubble. The um, and and again, I, I just people not say that that uh, you know it's over. It's not over. Right. We don't know until maybe January nineteenth that it, that uh, nothing will happen, and it could happen thereafter with a clear uh, response.
0: Just in your he- tenure. Uh, how many times has this happened? Like, I mean, I'm thinking...
5: Many. Know, we, we worry about it every time. No, I the understand. administrations but, but, have vetoed o- overall, but not every time.
0: No, but I, I'm asking how many times did a resolution like this on settlements in the last 49 and a half years actually get to the Security Council. Like, a, like a 30 or 2? Like, you know, how many times did it actually happened that it even got there to this point?
5: I can't give you an exact number, but I can tell you that there have been multiple occasions under different administrations where resolutions that touch on this or, or or call for Israel to be sanctioned or because in response. And again, because some of the things are done publicly and because, uh, right. uh, you know, there are provocative actions or deemed provocative. But it's, it's Israel's presence there that right. is a provocation for most of these people. It's not because of a particular policy or, or action. You know, they don't need an excuse to pass a resolution, whether in the World Health Organization or elsewhere. Right. The hey, difference so- is that mm-hmm. the Security Council... Is of a different magnitude. Understood.
0: And, and what does this tell us about President Elect Trump? And again, I'm not I'm not here to Hillary bash, especially after the election. But the reality is that if we were concerned about what a lame duck president might do in terms of his opinion regarding settlements, if if President Elect Trump was not in the position, do you think it really could have gone in that direction? And we would have seen an abstention from the U. S. If that resolution would have continued.
5: I believe it is still possible, despite, regardless of uh, President Trump. He doesn't have a vote. He doesn't have any you say. He only can hold sway by calling, uh, let's say, a president CC, or or giving an indication to others that uh, you're going to end up on the wrong side of a new administration right. uh, by your actions. But, but. Uh, and this can happen regardless. But a lot and, of times, and I don't know that that Secretary Clinton would also, if she had been successful, would have opposed it as well, because mm-hmm. no administration wants to begin with this burden. Nobody—they don't want the Democratic Party, uh, and I know this from senators, Democratic senators, with whom we spoke. And they—they they don't want to have uh, this become the identity at a time when you know the relationship of much of, of part of the Jewish community, certainly with the Democratic Party, is very strained and the. Assessment, and, and I don't know why President Obama would want to go out of office with his legacy. And it, it, it is a statement on many levels. If, in fact, as a as a parting shot, this becomes uh, uh, that this this thing passes or is allowed is not vetoed and allowed to move ahead in the Security Council.
0: Yeah, well, unless he wants it to be his legacy, who knows? Like you said, only That's he only he in his own head and his inner circle would have a clue as to what he really. Is thinking at this point,
5: and and may do yet. It's right. it's not again. We right. may find out what he was going to do. I know there are a lot of media people who are saying it, but I haven't found anybody from who, who actually knows. But very credible people, very important leader last night told me that uh, he had heard from uh, people in Washington that uh, what they want to do. But I can tell you that Secretary Kerry and I know this i would say for a fact but you never know that there are facts in washington uh, did not know as of yesterday what the president was going to tell him to do at the press
0: conference that he canceled right understood um not not to minimize the enormity of an assassination you know in and of itself but from a political standpoint how do we view the russian ambassador's assassination in turkey and in terms of the political scene how do we uh, how do we view uh that episode
5: Well, the the reaction has actually been contained, and especially by uh, Putin, who was very angry about it. And this is the first time, I think, a Russian ambassador in 100 years, or even more, maybe 200 years, was was assassinated in this way. Uh, Political killings are not unusual. They happen. But coming within the context of of Turkish-Russian relations. Uh, But so far, they don't seem to have uh, acted against it. You know, both Turkey and Russia blamed that terrorists for it uh it's it is a sensitive uh, very sensitive issue the reaction in in Russia was uh uh was very strong and the um, um the statements that that emerged certainly the uh, those by the uh Kremlin but at the same time they moved ahead with the three-way meeting of Turkey Iran and Russia on Syria, with no United States participation and no Assad participation, which tells you who today is calling the shots. So, who
0: likely called for the assassination of the ambassador?
5: Well, it could be, and so far it seems that this guy is a. uh, It just did this. Uh, there, There are other things that are happening also in reaction to you know the Russians being so visible in uh, in Syria, even though their role is really secondary in a military level, aside from the fact that they got uh, and I heard they have no more than 36 planes operating in Syria and no ground troops, yet they became the, uh, the dominant voice, now being challenged and surpassed by Iran as the dominant voice together with Hezbollah and its militias, and, and they are um, I think going to play an uh, outsized role in the uh, post- conflict uh syria if there is ever an end to the conflict but certainly even today so russia uh, is is uh, establishing its footprint it's not going to get out of syria when this is over it is looking at other areas where it can impose itself and and be a player and the fact is that countries wanting to resolve issues in the middle east are going to moscow not to washington and that may change now under the new administration. They they look at the, what we saw this week where Iran announced that they're going to start using, going from IR-1 centrifuges to IR-8. When the State Department put out a, a fact sheet at the time of the passage of the, the agreement, the Iran deal, they said that they will not be able to use IR-2468. These are the centrifuges. Just to get an understanding, the IR-8 is twenty times faster enriching uranium than the Ir one that they were supposed to be using, so we see the constant violations the, the, for ten years they were not supposed to be able to use the more advanced um, and the, although we gave permission to do uh, research on it, which we shouldn 't have so, so the and 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 the deputy commanders of the army are making statements threatening other countries in the region talking about the, you know the next steps in this Uh, drive for hegemony in in the region. This is the Persian Empire view as opposed to the Ottoman Empire view, which we are coming from from, uh, Turkey. There are clashes, there are inherent clashes, but right now there's a common interest uh, in, uh, for for instance, Turkey, in getting rid of the PKK off its borders. Uh, They're fighting together in in some cities, and they're still fighting against each other in others
0: um i 'd love to know who's responsible for alerting the administration in Washington when these violations are taking place. <laughs> I would guess someone actually does sometimes it's you i think <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, sometimes nobody says well, sometimes anything Sometimes it is right,
5: But, but uh, they have people they have enough there are enough people on the ground. there are no secrets about what's happening and the outrageous lack of reaction and the the indifference to the deaths of half a million people to the to all of this and yet what is the security council? involve itself with that silly resolutions ridiculous resolution but no resolution against syria no resolution against the massacres that are taking place no resolutions about isis burning the turkish soldiers alive or the taking of of civilian hostages and the killings that are going on each day conducted and the, the war crimes being committed every day by each of these parties
0: and you have no trouble believing the numbers correct in the hundreds of thousands for sure Oh there's no doubt. No doubt about it. But there are
5: millions and millions of displaced and, and and just look at what what happened in in Aleppo and and the fact that the the government has reasserted control although they did lose Uh, but it's not the syrian army it's taking over it's hezbollah it's the iranian-backed militias they're doing a population exchange they're removing these sunnis and putting in uh, uh, shiite families from iraq from afghanistan from other places i mean this is you're seeing massive changes to which almost no
0: reaction is there anybody screaming about this at the un is there any country taking on this cause
5: I can't say that, that, well, I mean, people have spoken about it, the United States ambassador, others have have talked about the the horrific things that are going on, but you don't see any any action. You don't see any, uh, you know, you see the criticisms that are leveled against people when... when, uh, you look at virtually every place in the Middle East. There's no country that today isn't facing a challenge, an existential challenge, from inside or outside. Egypt is fighting in the Sinai against uh, ISIS. We see that Hamas is again allowing them to treat the, to, to bring their wounded soldiers, but also to have it as a transfer point for weapons to them. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood is is in a sort of state of recovery, and we saw it with the attack on the Coptic Church in in uh, in Egypt. And, and on the Egyptian policemen, uh, even though ISIS made late claim, but the belief is that it's the Muslim Brotherhood. In, in any event, you have so many of these things. And what is the focus on, on, the, on the settlements on the on the West Bank? Yeah, of course. There is a, a, a clear uh, level of hypocrisy, and, but the price for this, nothing is going to be the same when this is over, if it's ever over. This is not... It, it is not going to go back to status quo ante. And the changes that are, are going to continue to happen, because the, this revolution is in its early stages. And we saw it again in, in Yemen this week. We've seen it in other places where um, the, the forces are at play. This is a really serious thing, and that's why you cannot show weakness. Palestinians, as the Khalid Abu toman said, they see it as, 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 as concessions as a sign of weakness. They see that, that every time that they can get away without, uh, with the incitement and with paying for the, the terrorists and all of that, and still get away with it. The price is being paid everywhere. When, when France deploys 10,000 troops within the country now, 10,000 additional troops, have their army inside the country trying to protect the uh, uh, institutions, and, and, uh, and it's true across Europe. Uh, we saw this horrific attack in in Berlin. In, uh, Berlin, you know, these things are not unrelated, and and, you, and we know who's behind a lot of it. So the the you know this the, it, it is almost unbelievable, and and it's if I sound frustrated, it's because it is very frustrating to see that the, um, uh, the 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 level of denial, the misplaced attention and focus and the the tragedies, the human tragedies that are taking place, you know there was a study done that most Arabs in Israel want to integrate into Israeli society twenty three percent of Israeli doctors are arabs forty six percent of Israeli pharmacists seventy three percent see Israeli as part of their identity. They don't want it to be necessarily a jewish state but but look at where the the most stable Arab population would be. There are uh, almost 600 Arab teachers in Jewish schools and 60 Jewish teachers in Arab schools. Nobody will ever say anything about that. Nobody talks about the treatment of, of Syrians in, in Israel, while the rest of the Arab world, let alone the world is large, is indifferent to the suffering of of uh, Syrians. And then they put pressure that Israel should take more uh, refugees, and Israel is looking at how they can uh, provide more
0: assistance I'm sure you saw the numbers in terms of how many thousands Israel has treated from Syria over the last year.
5: I have been there. I went to the border. I saw I actually saw it take place. I saw young Israelis, how they soldiers they risk their lives, they they go in and, and, and help bring out these kids who are wounded or adults who are wounded. I saw it there and, and the numbers are in the thousands. It's not a, a small thing and it's every single day virtually that that more of them come and people are, are, are treated, and they can't publicize, they can't show it, but they certainly can go to the hospitals and you can see the people, they're there. And uh, as you said, you know, it only becomes a subject for more condemnation.
0: And I was going to ask you on the other issue about the ISIS responsibility for the attack in Berlin, and, and by the way, uh, I think President-elect Trump actually said it before they took responsibility for it, which I thought was pretty gutsy, uh, but I guess these days to some people it's just obvious. Uh, and I was going to ask you why Berlin, but I guess you essentially answered the question that it, it's essentially everywhere. <laughs> it could be Berlin or it could be anywhere else, whether it's Europe. Do you or... remember the bus,
5: the, the the truck driver who did the sure. same thing in Paris and sure. in, in in France, and you've seen it elsewhere. Yeah. It's it's happening, and and we don't know all the things that are prevented both here and and, and in other uh, countries.
0: Uh, Hanukkah begins tomorrow night. Um, the the. Uh... The few were able to prevail over the many, and in many cases, it seems that we're getting a repeat of that, uh, you know, thousands of years later. What are your thoughts as we enter this uh, holiday of Hanukkah?
5: It's hard to get into the spirit, but we have to, and we have to teach the real lessons of Hanukkah, which are not the presents. They're nice, but that's not the essence of Hanukkah. Uh, it's the few overcoming the many, indeed, But it, and, of course, the vial of oil, what the discoveries that were announced just in the last couple of days? They found a the coin uh, in the city of David by chance uh, that had the picture of Antiochus the Fourth Epiphanes, who was the Antiochus of the uh, story of the Maccabees, with his picture on it, and on the back a, a goddess. Then, um, and and this was a, a, a penny coin, and it might have been from the salary of the soldier that was enlisted to fight against and the, the lay siege on, on Jerusalem. The, um, and then they found a, a fragment of a chalk bowl, and Jews used chalk bowls because they were um, they, they, they didn't become impure in the same way, so they were for ritual purposes. And uh, it had in Hebrew the name Hyrcanus. In, ba- in block letters. And he was the ruler 2,100 years ago. Yeah. This was from the story of the Hashemanoi and from mm-hmm. the story of the Maccabees. And this bowl, there were two Jewish uh, kings named Hyrcanus, and supposedly there was a Greek name that they adopted. Others say, no, it comes from the city that they, they descended from. But here in this little postage stamp, Place at the city of David at Ir David with these excavations yielding every all the time, but especially to see these things now when people may not believe or people think that things you know, we have so much false news now that people ascribe it to everything. Here you have proof proof that it's irrefutable. You, you find it, you can debate, you know, the exact uh, relevance or, or uh, history of it, but. There's no d- debating when you find a coin like that about what it's, it, it, the significant message to us is. And that is, to, when we look back, we remember the stories. You saw the courage, you saw the heroism, and even if the ultimate outcome wasn't what we wanted, they showed that when they stood up, Milan Shem Eli, that they were able to overcome. It was the few, as always, the pure over the impure. It, it was the righteous over the wicked. That was the real victory. And today in this world where we see so much evil and we see so many people manipulating the situation, fake news, even in the Jewish media, having fallen victim to it, where people are are taking the news and, and editorializing in the news and that truth becomes uh, a rare commodity uh, too often, uh, that we look back to be reminded and and those who have doubts about about standing up at the right time and, and having the courage to pursue your beliefs,
0: that's the message. It certainly is. Uh, we'll spend uh, Hanukkah and Rosh Chodesh together. Malcolm Holand will join us one week from today for the next installment of the weekly update. I take this opportunity to wish you a very happy and wonderful Hanukkah and have a uh, wonderful Shabbos as well. And you too, good Shabbos, and
5: to all everybody, really a wonderful Hanukkah, and may we all hear only good news.
0: i and Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the A.M. This time each and every Friday, every of Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos,
6: everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayeshev. We'll get to Parshas Vayeshev in a few moments. I just want to review quickly just a few of the basic laws of Hanukkah, which begins, please God, this coming Saturday night. Because it starts on a Shabbos Saturday night, I urge everyone to be careful and as eager as we are to light the Ner Hanukkah, we should not do so until it's definitively after Shabbos. So, in the New York area, I would say certainly not before 520. Now, in terms of the time for lighting Ner Hanukkah throughout the week, and we'll talk about next Friday night, please God, next week. But for all other days, be aware. The Talmud says that one is to light Ner Hanukkah with shkia. Shkia means sunset. There's a machlokes between the Rambam, who understood that sunset means the beginning of sunset, approximately four thirty these days. And the Mechaber of Yosef Caro, usually who follows the opinion of the Rambam, he follows the other opinions which say that it means the end of sunset, at the time when the stars come out, approximately 40 minutes later. So the ideal time, once again, in the New York area would be 5.10. However, if one cannot light at that time, just know that one can light with the blessings all night long. This is because circumstances have changed. In the days of the Talmud, they lit outside, and without electricity, you were very limited as to who was outside. Today, with our whole society functioning so differently, one can light any time during the night. Ideally, one should do it earlier. Ideally, one is lighting in their home before they eat dinner. Now, where does one light? So, if you're in your own home, it's not a problem. If you're invited for friends, family, then unless you are sleeping over in someone's home, you're not to light the menorah in somebody else's home. Even though you might not be getting home to your house till ten eleven o'clock at night, that's okay. Leave yourself a reminder in your home that you are to light when you get home and it would be certainly preferable to light in your home when you get home rather than lighting it in somebody else's home. There are many more laws of Hanukkah. I believe my distinguished colleague Rabbi Goldwasser has been uh, learning and discussing uh, the laws of Hanukkah, so I will proceed to this week's Parsha of Vayeshev. Now, when it comes to Parsha's Vayeshev, this is one of those parshios that doesn't get easier from year to year. You have to ask yourself the question, my goodness, how can this happen? How can the righteous sons of Yaakov, and they are righteous sons, how could they sell their brother, period? Now, the Soprano, in his commentary, tells us that the brothers looked upon Yosef as a Rodev. A rodav literally means a pursuer, someone that is trying to harm you. So the Torah says that if someone is coming to harm you, hashkeim Lahar go, you are to take the initiative to try to harm him. And therefore, they felt justified. Looking back over history, they saw their grandfather, Yaakov, uh, Abraham, had two sons. One was literally cast out of the fold, and that was Yishmael, and the other one, Yitzchak, was in. And Yitzchak had two sons, and one was cast out, and that was Esau, and the other one, their father, Yaakov, was in. And now that they saw that Yaakov was favoring Yosef, they were only afraid Yosef would be in, and they would be out. And therefore, they felt justified. There's no question, but while we don't understand this, this was clearly the will of God, because after all, Yaakov had to fulfill the prophecy that was given to Avraham in chapter 15, in the book of Barathees, at the Brisbane Absarim. God said to Avraham, you should know that your children are going to be strangers enslaved, persecuted, in a land which is not theirs. They had to get down to Egypt. The only question is, how were they to get to Egypt? So the truth is, the rabbis say, the Jacob could have, should have been brought down to Egypt in chains, because this prophecy had to be fulfilled. How fortunate he was that he went down to Egypt to see, as we know, coming up in two weeks, his beloved son Yosef. Take a look in chapter 37, verse 15. When Yosef can't find his brothers, he should have gone back home and said, Abba, I went, I couldn't find them, and that's it. After all, Yosef anticipated that the brothers might not welcome him with open arms. Instead, the Torah tells us, Fayim all of a sudden, a man comes, and the man just happened to hear the brothers speaking that, you know, they, uh, quote-unquote, left here and they're going there. So he was able to tell Yosef where to go. And Rashi tells us who is this Ish, this mysterious man, is none other than Gabriel, who is the angel that God put in the right place at the right time to direct the course of history. And that's how we have to look at the parashah. When the brothers first see Yosef, they say literally in verse twenty of that chapter thirty seven, let's kill him. Literally, let's kill him. In twenty one, Ruvain hears and he's Ayatsi Leu Miyadam and he literally saves Yosef from literally their hand, meaning as the Ramban explains, that Ruvain said don't kill him with your hands. That's actual murder. Do it in a way which would be grummer, an indirect way, namely, throwing him in a pit. At the time that you throw him in the pit, he is alive. What's going to happen afterwards? The probability is he'll die, but you're not going to be the ones to kill him with your hands. Now, very clearly, there is a most powerful medrash that comments on the verse where the Torah tells us that Ruvain says to them, put him in the pit, which is in the desert. We shouldn't be the ones with our hands to actually kill him. And the Torah, at the end of verse 22, tells us what was his motivation. Leman oso miyadam. Literally, it was to save Yosef from their hands Lashiva to return him to his father. So, Ruvain's intentions were good. Says the Medrash. Oh my goodness. And the Medrash is found in Rus Rabba chapter 6 paragraph 5. Had only Ruvain known Elu Right, had he only known Elu, Hoyude Ruvain, if Ruvain only would have known that God was writing in his Torah, and that every single year, as we've been doing for thousands of years, we would read that Ruvain wanted to save Yosef, says the Medrish, he would have put him on his shoulders, literally, and carried him back to his father. And The Medrash continues in the beginning of the second book of the Torah, in chapter 4 of Shmos, when Moshe resists taking the leadership and to take the Jewish people out of B'nai, out of Mitzrayim. So, Hashem tells Moshe that your brother Aaron is coming to greet you. He is coming to greet you, and he bears no grudge against you. When he sees you, he will rejoice in his heart. And the Medrash continues, Had only Aaron known that the Torah would write that Aaron was going to greet Moshe, he would have brought a brass band with him. And finally, in the second book of Rus', we're told how Boaz greets Rus most warmly, insists that she comes to his field only to glean, and the, the book of Rus, in verse 14 of chapter 2, actually tells us what he gave her for lunch. And what does it say? By law, Kelly, and he gave her parched grain. Had Boaz only known that this would be recorded for posterity, and we'd read it every year on Shavuos, he would have given her a steak dinner. So what does the Medrash go and teach us from this? It teaches us a very important point. Shekesha Odam Ose Mitzvah. When you do a mitzvah, ye Ose believe Some Sameach Do it In a complete sense. Don't just do it partially, half enthusiastically. But imkvar, if you're going to do it already, Asqvar, do it completely. And just as the Torah records these events, the Medrash goes on and says, Oh my goodness, don't think that now that we are beyond the stages of the Torah being written down, that our actions are ignored. No, says the Midrash, that who writes our actions? Eliyahu anovi Moshiach, and God himself signs. The idea behind this is very, very powerful, that one should not think that our actions that we do are inconsequential. Just as Ruvain's actions had Mitzlius, they affected the future of the Jewish people, Aaron's actions, Boaz's actions, take their names out and put your name in. The way you conduct yourself, the way your children and grandchildren view you, and the way you conduct yourself, the way you do your chesed, your kindness towards others, do you generate it or do you respond? And when you do respond, do you do so enthusiastically or perhaps begrudgingly? And how do you dive in? Do you dive in perfunctorily or you dive in with excitement? All these things are noticed and all these things have an effect vis-a-vis the future. So it's not just what was with Ruvain, Aron, and Boaz, but each of us as well. I want to conclude with a beautiful story found in the Talmud Yuma, thirty-eight a. A gentleman named Nicanor. So what does he do? He goes to Egypt to bring back very special doors to adorn the base hamigdash. He's on his way back. He has these two very large, heavy copper doors. There's a storm at sea. And the sailors insist for the safety of the boat and everybody. They have to throw one of the uh, doors overboard. Begrudgingly, he agrees. The storm is still raging. And they say we must sell, uh, throw the other one overboard. He says he, as he clutches on to that second door. If you throw the door, I go with it. And the storm stopped. And he felt so bad that maybe, maybe he should have, could have saved the first one. When they come to Akko, he sees unbelievable that right after the boat docked in Ako, something was bobbing up and down in the water, and miraculously that first door survived. So because miracles happened to these doors, these doors were put literally at the Gateway of the Beis Amigdash. We light our candles, says the Chabina Rav. Used to be outside in Israel, that practice is coming back, but we do it at the doorway to remind ourselves as well that our home is like the Beis Hamigdash. And we are to generate, please God, and notice miracles in our home as well. And we are to have the attitude that once again... As Nicanor had Mesiras Nefesh, and when man has Mesiras Nefesh, God responds in kind, and this was Hanukkah. They didn't need to use pure oil. The majority of the people were impure. Jewish law says that if the majority of the people Tuma Hutra, they could have used the impure oil. The Hashmonoyim did not want to use the impure oil. So because they went beyond the letter of the law, they only wanted the best, God responded in kind and did a miracle for them. This is Hanukkah. God did miracles in the past. And please God, He'll do it for us now and in the future. May we, please God, be worthy thereof. Shabbat shalom and a meaning full Hanukkah to all.
2: Kate's Babel, Saroo Baba, the Kate Shivin of Shanti, the cage Shivin of Shanti, Koma.
0: Moe's tour done by Shwebel, Sharp, and Levine. That is one incredible song, to say the least. Um, Getting ready for Hanukkah starts tomorrow night. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night. He's getting the Hanukkah music ready. JM Sunday with Matis starts live at 7 a.m. Eastern time. He's getting all the Hanukkah music ready. We're getting the Hanukkah music ready for Monday morning. Uh, If you have a Hanukkah party tomorrow night, if you have a Hanukkah party Sunday night, make sure you have our stream, our network on. So you can hear all the amazing material, all the great Hanukkah selections, and enjoy it with your family. So much happening next week, a massive Jewish music week here at JM and the AM. Monday, Ding will be in. Suki and Ding are presenting a whole bunch of amazing programs, a whole bunch of great Jewish music uh, events. Uh, one happening on Monday at 2 p.m. in Queens. That's the Chazak presentation of a Hanukkah celebration with Uncle Mychi, the Miami Trio, and the Extreme Illusions of Eric. Uh, then they'll be in Queens 7 p.m. on um, Monday night with Miami, Nachas, and the Extreme Illusions of Eric. Brooklyn on Thursday, both uh, during the day, a Chazak presentation and a Suki and Ding presentation, and two shows in Lakewood on January the 1st. So Ding will be here Monday, a lot going on. If you want to go to the uh, jewishtickets.com website, jewishtickets.com, they have information about all these events that are going on. So you can check it out and enjoy the... um Great Jewish music is being offered. A lot of people are looking for activities for children, Jewish activities for children and adults for this time of year and for next week specifically. There's a lot going on. We will uh, give you the entire, entire update um, as we get closer and closer. All right? But Monday, uh, Ding will be in for that. Tuesday, Gershon Varoba. He's live in studio the brand-new album is amazing. We'll be at the album release party with both the audio and video at the Malcolm Sigel Network on Thursday night at the Teaneck Doghouse starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Gershon Varroba's album release party Thursday night. Come, buy yourself some dinner, and just enjoy an amazing two-hour show. Uh, you'll also be able to enjoy Gershon in studio this coming Tuesday. Tuesday morning, Gershon Varroba in studio right here at JM and the AM. Wednesday, RJ Kunstler visits. Hopefully, with his guitar. Thursday, the king of schlock. Lenny Solomon, before his Thursday night Highland Park show and before his big Lincoln Square Synagogue show on January 1st, he'll be here in studio. So, a lot happening in the world of Jewish music, to say the least, and a lot going on here at the JM and the AM Nachum Single Network headquarters. Don't forget, coming up 10 minutes from now, Naomi Nachman. With the uh, Table for Two program, it is the Monday night presentation of the Chopped uh, competition, which went really well this past Monday night. I had the uh, honor of being a judge at that competition that's coming up. Then Kedem presents an amazing Arab Shabbos music mix. And today, Kedem presents a live lunch. If you're listening around noontime, there's a good chance you'll hear Mark Zomick live from our New Jersey studio with a live lunch Friday Erev Hanukkah. Could you imagine so make sure you're tuned in all day. You know what we like to say? The Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix is the Arab Shabbos soundtrack. It's the soundtrack for an Arab Shabbos. You want to make sure to be listening in your office, in your home, in your car, wherever you might be. A reminder, May 22nd, the Mizrahi mega mission of a lifetime to be in Israel for the 50 years of a reunited Jerusalem happens starting May 22nd of 2017. Utilize this weekend with family and friends to decide exactly what day you want to leave to be in Israel for Yom Yerushalayim on May the 24th. It's Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Mizrahi.org slash YY50. And I remind you that there's a massive Hanukkah Chagiga tomorrow night. Uh, Spend the first night of Hanukkah with NCSY Summer. Yeah, if you're a big NCSY Summer devotee, and we have a lot of those in our audience, you want to make sure to be there tomorrow night with special musical guest Mordecai Shapiro, with words from Rabbi Yusroh Kamenetsky, um, everybody in attendance will be entered into a raffle to receive 50% off the NCSY Summer 2017 program of your choice. Spend the first night with NCSY uh, Summer. It's happening at the White Shule on Empire Avenue in Far Rockaway tomorrow night beginning at 8 p.m. That should be a lot of fun. Make sure you are part of it again. That is happening uh, tomorrow night. A big shout-out to Moshe Gersley and his classmates in the fifth grade at after. Moshe Gersley was my guest yesterday during the live lunch, A uh, uh, an interview we had recorded Monday when we visited Haftar, and uh, he made quite an impression, fifth grader, and knows mo- more than most of us know about politics, and it was really cool. Hey, check out our Manischewitz highlight video. You know, we went to Haftar with Manischewitz on Monday. We had an amazing one-hour show building the Hanukkah house. There's a highlight video on Facebook right now. If you go to our Facebook page, Nachum Siegel Network, you could see that. It is pretty cool. Um, so check it out. It's, a, uh, it's really an amazing uh, Manischewitz highlight video from our visit this past Monday at Hafter in uh, Long Island. Friday morning, it's JM in the AM getting ready for Hanukkah with those crunchy latkes.
3: Hanukkah comes eight days a year, a time of fun and a time of cheer. We light the menorah every night, and you know we feel just right. The dreidels and the donuts makes us feel so good. But the greatest feeling that I have when I bite into my favorite food. Crunchy, munchy latkes, so nice and fresh and hot. We love our yummy latkes, please give us a lot. My Bobby made so many. You can have some too. Why don't you come on over? It's Hanukkah for the Jews. Hanukkah comes eight days a year. A time of fun and a time of cheer. We light the menorah every night. And you know we feel just right. The dreidels and the donuts. Makes us feel so good But the greatest feeling that I have When I bite into my favorite food Crunchy, munchy latkes So nice and fresh and hot We love our yummy latkes Please give us a lot My Bobby made so many You can have some too Why don't you come on over It's go for the juice.
0: Oh, there you have it. Some crunchy, munchy latkes. We could use some of those. Latkes, sufkaniyot, livivot, right? That's the Hebrew word for latkes. Uh, Dreidel, nim. everything that uh, adds up to a wonderful Hanukkah we wish for everybody out there, including Hanukkah gelt and wonderful gifts and just time to spend with the family and enjoy some wonderful Hanukkah get-togethers and great meals and uh, each other's company. That's what it's all about. And tomorrow night it all begins. Make sure the soundtrack of your Hanukkah is us. At the Nahum Segal Network, just like you want to make sure the soundtrack of your Arab Shabbos is our incredible Kedem Erev Shabbos music mix, which starts right after Naomi is finished this morning and continues all the way until candlelighting time. And don't be shocked if Mark Zomik hits you with a live lunch Friday in the middle of today. Make sure it's on. The Nahum Segal Network is on all through the day. Time to take good Shabbos, with Journeys at JM in the AM. in israel we are with you it's your favorite america's one and only jewish moments in the morning radio program heard and listeners sponsored digital radio exclusively around the world at nachom the nsn nachom siegel network and of course the nsn nachom siegel network app and i thank all of you for tuning in and being part of this amazing and incredible radio experience naomi nachman is next Table for two with a focus on Monday night's Chopped competition, which was amazing. Then Kedem presents our amazing and incredible Arab Shabbos music mix. Mark Zamek. He is suggesting that he is likely to do a a Friday live lunch. Pay careful attention today while you're on our network. Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night starting at 9 p.m. with great Hanukkah music. Matis, Hanukkah Day 1, Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time with amazing Hanukkah music. And, of course, we'll be back here Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend, and, of course, happy Hanukkah. Chagurim Sameach. Afrelich in Hanukkah. Till next time, Nachum Sigel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>